there are those who are opposed and against what we stand for. Uh, and not only that, but listen, they do lay wait. They will look for an opportunity to cause you to slip up. They will look for opportunity to cause you to fall into sin. They will look for opportunity to, uh, to set a snare, per se. And we need to be aware and be forewarned uh, that there is wickedness out there. And there's wicked people. Sometimes we relegate it to the devil, to the demons, and things of that nature. And while there'll be temptation, listen, just as much so, there are some people out there. Uh, who, who are against Christians and do not like Christians. And, uh, and we just need to be aware of that. We also need to remember, I, while we're warning about this, uh, of course, a good verse to always keep in mind is Jesus said this, be wise as serpents and harmless of doves. Just because we know they're out there doesn't mean uh, we go on the aggressive and we, we go out and we attack and we tear down them. No, we need to be wise as serpents and harmless of doves. We need to be aware that they're out there and not fall into their snare and into their traps. And, and we need to understand that they're there. And the Bible would issue a warning uh, to those that are wicked and to those that are uh, doing those things, hey, that they should not do that. Look with me at verse number 16, back in Proverbs 24. So the first part of 15 is very clear. Well, verse 15, rather, is very clear. Lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous, spoil not his resting place. In other words, uh, don't try and steal from him and take the uh, spoil would be what you gather in war. So they would go to war and gather uh, or attack another place. And then the spoils, which would be what the soldiers who won the war would take. They would grab gold. They would grab uh, flocks. They would grab whatever was at hand and they would take that back with them. And so the Bible issues a warning to wicked people not to do that to righteous. And then in verse 16, he goes on and he says, for a just man falleth seven times, and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. Now I've read that verse lots, I've used that verse, matter of fact, and many times we look at that verse and we think uh, we've used it in the application of uh, a saved person when they, mis when they make a mistake, when they sin, when they fall into some error in their life, uh, we use that verse, well, you know, you fell down, but you know what? You brush your knees off and you get back up and you keep going. And that's true, we ought to do that. But as we look at it in the context of verse 15 and 16, we find too that it falls in context with verse 15 about those, because if you look at the end of verse 15, the sentence doesn't end. Spoil not his resting, there's a colon there. And then it goes on and it continues, for a just man falleth seven times. And as we look at this verse and we think about this idea that there are wicked people out there who do lie in wait and look to uh, take advantage of uh, righteous people or saved people, we need to understand that, hey, there will be times that we'll fall into that trap and that snare. And it's not, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about uh, maybe uh, some other form of, of persecution or some form of uh, something that goes wrong. You could look time and time again throughout Scripture and find examples of this. The first and foremost example that came to my mind was, of course, Job. Now, Job didn't have a guy sitting waiting for him. But the devil certainly did uh, put, a, put a, a snare. He was setting and waiting to spoil his house. And you look at Job, and certainly uh, he did fall into that snare. Not of his own fault, but it was sprung on him. 
And, and you look, and, and certainly he got back up after that and continued. Another fellow that I looked at, uh, I think is probably a better example, is David throughout the Old Testament. And you look at how he lived his life, and, and uh, he went, and, and of course he stood up for God and slew Goliath the giant. And afterwards, the king and all of Israel kind of set their eyes on David and said, Well, look at this guy. Man, this guy is really good. And, and they, were, they were lifting him up, and all of a sudden, this jealousy came into a problem uh, with Saul. Saul started to become jealous of David. And so Saul then wanted to kill David. And he looked for opportunity. Matter of fact, he brought him into his own house and said, you know, why don't you play the harp for me? And, and certainly that would send the evil spirit away, and certainly it did. But, but as sometimes he planned it. And what he was doing is exactly what verse number 15 says, lay not wait, O wicked man, against the dwelling of the righteous. In other words, he was laying wait. He was setting a trap. He was bringing David in with the idea, hey man, when David gets in here, I'm going to take my javelin and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. And, and how many times did uh, Saul go and hunt after David and David running and running and running and it seemed like perhaps in David's life that he had fallen in this snare. And that he had been, um, as it says here in verse number 15, uh, that the wicked had, had been against the dwelling of the righteous and spoiled his resting place. You remember David had to leave his house. And where did he live? The Bible said he went out to the wilderness. And he encamped in the wilderness. And that's where he lived. Could you imagine? He didn't have his dwelling place of his house. His resting place was taken from him. And the King Saul was, uh, was hunting after him actively. In other words, trying to catch him and trying to ensnare him. And I'm sure that David felt like, man, I'm stuck in this trap. And i got to keep running for my life. And I haven't done anything wrong. And what I'm saying is, sometimes you may fall into that snare. Not of your own accord. Not of your own volition. Not that you did anything foolish or wrong or sinful. Uh, but that somebody would take advantage of you uh, because you're a Christian. Or, or try and uh, do something that would be uh, wicked as Saul did to David. And sometimes God will say, you know what, I'm going to let that go for a little bit. And you might feel like in your life saying, where is God? What, what have I, I haven't done anything wrong. The first time, whenever something goes wrong in your life, you, here's a good checklist for you. When something goes wrong in your life, you ought to, first thing you ought to do is say, am I right with God? Is there sin in my life that I need to get right? Is this God trying to get my attention? Is he shaking up my life? And if that's no, you don't, you're like, well, man, I don't see anything. God, show me if there's sin. I'm reading my Bible. I'm looking for sin. If there's no sin in my life, then, then God, is this some test? Are you trying to teach me patience? Are you trying to broaden my faith? Are you trying to teach me uh, something else? Maybe there's some other lesson that I'm supposed to learn. And listen, if, if you don't have sin in your life, and God, maybe he's trying to teach you something, it may be that, hey, uh, you've, been, you've been caught in one of these wicked persons that's taking advantage of you, but I want you to understand that God is not ignorant of where you are in your life. He's not ignorant of the circumstances that are taking place. And we have this verse, it says, for a just man falleth seven times. In other words, this is somebody who has not done wrong. This is somebody who has not sinned in their life. There's somebody who is just, not perfect, but just. And it says he riseth up again. 
In other words, that God is not ignorant of where he is at, but God is going to pay attention just as he did to David as David was fleeing in the wilderness. God was paying attention to where David was, and eventually David did rise up again. And there were times of relief when King Saul had to go take care of other things. One of my favorite stories, I haven't got to it yet in the Bible, is where uh, David is actually up in a mount. And I mean, uh, he's on this side of the mountain and, and Saul's on the other side of the mountain and he's got nowhere to go but up. You know what happens when you hit the top of a mountain? You're all done. There's nowhere else to go. And it looked like in David's eyes and in David's life when he got towards the top and there was really nowhere else for him to go and all it, all it required was Saul to come around the other side and, and he was done for. And God intervened and sent a messenger to Saul and said, hey, we're being attacked. Uh, the, our enemies are attacking this village. You've got to come right now and save this village. You know what Saul had to do? He had to leave. God orchestrated that. That wasn't David that orchestrated that. That wasn't something that man could figure out and, and, and organize. And God knew exactly where David was at in his life. The Bible says, for a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again. God is not ignorant of where we are at, and he knows exactly where we're at in our life. And sometimes we need to be careful that we're saying, God, that we're not charging God foolishly. Remember, the Bible says that Job charged not God foolishly. In other words, he didn't go accusing God of things. And we do need to be careful of that sometimes in our life. And so we find that, uh, the Bible says here in verses 15 and 16, we're talking about falling. And, of course, a just man will fall. He did fall seven times, uh, which would just be a, a number, uh, kind of like how many times should I forgive my neighbor? Well, 70 times seven. Uh, it's not a, a numerical uh, standard that we should look to, but rather just the fact that, hey, it does happen more than once. And riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. We need to understand that it may look like at times the wicked side of things is prospering. It may look like our enemies have an advantage over us. From David's standpoint, many times while he was running from Saul, it looked like and it appeared to David, man, Saul was winning and there was no way out for David. But we find that God was not ignorant of where he was and the wicked shall fall into mischief. And we need to understand that as well. Look with me as we talk about falling here in verse 17 and 18 as well. He goes on and he says, Rejoice not when thy enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Now that's a pretty simple idea uh, for us to understand, but, but the truth of the matter is we need to practice it as well. Uh, you, ever, you ever had something happen, maybe uh, especially amongst siblings? I don't Sibling rivalry is something special. We'll put it that way. And, and, and I had an older brother and a younger brother, and so, you know, brothers just, they kind of fight a little bit here and there. And, and when your brother makes you mad and he does something against you and then, and then he turns around and, and, he, and he trips and falls flat on his face, you're rejoicing as a brother, as a sibling. I mean, you're like, ah, oh, you shouldn't have done that to me. That's your payback. And, of course, then you run because he's going he's gonna to get you. He's going to pound you. And so you run. But, but, but you, it, it's, it's hard for us to not rejoice 
when somebody who has mistreated us or somebody who stands for what is evil and what is wrong does fall into mischief. But the Bible gives us a very clear statement here. He says very clearly, and this is written to the righteous. So in verses 15 and 16 are written to the wicked. Uh, In verses 17 we see, and 18, it's written to the righteous. He says, rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Now that's easier said than done, but we ought not rejoice in the falling of the wicked. We ought not rejoice in, in, in the stumbling of those who have done wrong. Look at what he says in verse number 18, and he gives us three reasons in verse number 18. Lest the Lord see it. In other words, what's the Lord seeing? Well, he's certainly seeing that he stumbled and fell. There's no doubt about that. But even more than that, God is seeing our heart and that our rejoicing in the pain of another person. And, and we should not rejoice or seek that kind of revenge to other people. And so we've got to be careful of that. The Bible says, lest the Lord see it, look at what it says, and it displease him. So the Lord is clearly not pleased that we would uh, rejoice or take joy in the revenge, not even that we're revenging them, but that the Lord would revenge them uh, and that He would punish them. And we need to understand that, hey, God's not pleased uh, that we should take joy in the punishment of the wicked. And then the last part, the third reason, He says, and He turn away His wrath from him. In other words, the Lord would turn away his wrath from the wicked. In other words, uh, he sees that, that those are, that are righteous are rejoicing in their, in their uh, punishment and, and what's coming to them, the judgment that fell on them. And God's going to say, you know what, I'm going to take my hand off. Because your ridicule is just heaping worse punishment on top of them. And you know what, I'm, I'm just going to let it go. And I'm going to let it slide. And And so we need to be careful on our end uh, that we don't rejoice at the falling of the wicked. Now, in verses 15 and 16, he, of course, gives a warning to the wicked not to uh, pursue the righteous or to lay in wait and cause them to fall. And in the end, they will fall into mischief. And then in 17 and 18, he warns the righteous that we shouldn't take joy in the falling of the wicked. Look with me at verse 19. And we'll continue. We looked at falling here in verses 15, 16, uh, 17, and 18. Verse 19, he says, Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked. For there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. We have fretting. Now, Pastor talked about fretting in, in Sunday, and, uh, and, and certainly this is, falls right in line with that. Fret not thyself because of evil men. What is evil? Well, I got to looking at that. Turn with me to Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. And we'll see how quickly evil shows up in the Bible. Genesis chapter number 2. In verse number 16, Genesis 2.16, God is um, talking to Adam and Eve. And look at what he says. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, 
Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. We find evil, uh, the knowledge of good and evil, was part of that original tree that God placed in the garden. He made a, a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and then a tree of life as well. And, and when man uh, was tempted of Satan uh, to eat that evil, eat that fruit of knowledge of good and evil, of course that, that caused sin and, and caused man to become conscious of good and evil, of good and bad. And so as we look at evil, uh, the Bible, or the definition of evil is rather, um, it's, it's sin, it's wickedness, it's, it's things that are bad. I thought I wrote down the definition here. I don't think I did. It's, um, I actually looked it up, but I didn't write it down. I should have wrote it down. It, but it, you know what evil is. It's wickedness. It's doing stuff that it goes against the Word of God. Adam and Eve, of course, uh, went against the Word of God, and it introduced evil to the, the human race. That's why the Bible says in Romans 5.12, whereas by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin uh, for that all have sinned. Uh, that's Romans 5.12. I don't think I got the last part right, but I got the first part right. That, uh, that, that sin came into the world by Adam. And so sin is part of that evil. It's part of that wickedness. Back in Proverbs, our verse says, fret not thyself because of evil men. Fret not thyself because of evil men. As I was looking at this and thinking about it, I thought, that's really kind of what we've been doing. Maybe not you. Maybe I have. Is fretting about evil and wickedness that's being exalted in high places in our country. And we need, we should, the Bible gives us clear warning, fret not thyself because of evil men. You know, as we think about uh, evil, we think about wickedness, of course, uh, abortion is sin. The Bible teaches us that. Uh, the whole idea of LG, LGQTB, that's sin. Uh, that's somebody choosing to go against the Word of God. Abortion is somebody choosing to go against the Word of God. Lying is somebody choosing to go against the Word of God. It's all categorized as sin. It all falls under the category of, of breaking God's law and breaking God's commandment. And we could go through a myriad of things and name them all and say, listen, these fall under the category of sin. And when somebody stands uh, behind those things and says, hey, we're going to promote these things, listen, the government has no right to declare what is sin and what is not. They may legalize things and they may approve things, but it doesn't mean that God approves of those things. And so the people who would stand up and promote those things would then put themselves on this side voluntarily saying, I stand in contrary to the word of God. That's what they're saying. And so therefore they would be evil men for the things of which they stand for. And so, as we look at this verse, in verse number um, 19, the Bible says, Fret not thyself because of evil men. And as we think about that, and I want us to understand uh, that, listen, this world is not our home. 
That, so that old song, this world is not my home, I'm just a passing through, my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Listen, we need to understand uh, that Maslin is not our home. We need to understand that Ohio is not our state. Now, for some people that are uh, transplants, they, they accept that far more readily. We need to understand that the United States of America is not really our country. Oh, we live here, yes. I care about my country, yes. But listen, my eternal home is not here. Peru is not my, my country. It's not my home. Italy is not my country. It's where my heritage is from. It's where my grandmother was born. But listen, it's not my country. It's not my home. There's nowhere on this planet Earth that I could really call home because heaven is our home. And heaven is where we're looking forward to. And we ought not fret ourselves. Oh, we could be sad and mourn, yes. And we should pray. We certainly should do that. Uh, but, but fret and worry. Listen, fretting and worrying is not going to change a single thing that's going to take place in the White House. Not one thing. You can worry about it all day long. You can worry about it for the next four years. You can worry about it for the next 20 years. It's not going to change one thing. But prayer can change things. That will make a difference. And we need to understand that the Bible tells us here in verse number 19, fret not thyself because of evil men. And then it goes on to say, uh, the, be thou not, or, or neither be thou envious at the wicked. And we've covered that, of course, sometimes looking at the riches of the wicked and thinking, well, they're doing well, and we're not. But it, he goes on in verse number 20, and look at what he says, the reason not to fret against the wicked or evil men. He says, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. Sometimes we look at the wicked people and we say, man, it's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to think, well, they've got, you know, they've got riches, they've got power, they've got this, they've got that, they've got a lot of things, and, and, and I'm trying to do right, and I'm trying to serve the Lord, and I'm struggling along, and I'm kind of bumping along, and every, every road is, is or every uh, inch of progress seems difficult to make. But listen, we have to understand, and we have to realize, at the end of the road, they have absolutely nothing to look forward to. That's not true for us. Look with me in Revelation chapter number 20. Revelation chapter number 20. I love this passage. We won't uh, spend a lot of time here, but Revelation chapter 20, I won't go through the... In I won't go through and explain every part of it, but look with me in Revelation chapter number 20 and verse number 11. This is what the wicked have to look forward to. The Bible says in verse number 11, Revelation 20, 11, And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, whose face... The earth, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Let me just point out this in verse number 11. You realize that the, 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 uh, the person they're fleeing from is God. The reason we know this is lost people is because, listen, saved people, we look forward to seeing God. Lost people who are not saved, who do not know the Savior, they fear the thought of standing before God. 
Because they don't have a relationship with Him. They don't have any knowledge of Him. They're not, they're not related to Him. Their, their sins have not been forgiven. They have a serious problem. And so verse number 12, after they, fl- after they try and flee away, but there's no place for them to hide, verse number 12, And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their work. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And so we find there in verse number uh, Verse number 12, that they, they'll stand before God. I've heard it described several ways, small and great, that they would stand before God. And, and, uh, and some had mentioned stature, but I think it tends more to position. Maybe we would be a small guy. I might not be somebody that the world knows and the world recognizes. And, and maybe uh, some world leader may be a great person that most people would recognize and say, you know what, I saw that guy in the news. He's the president of this country or he's the leader of this nation. And they might know him and he might be powerful here in the world. But if he's lost, he's going to stand for God, before God. And he's not going to have any power. We're talking about the, uh, the, the not fretting ourselves because of evil workers, neither be envious of them, because in the end, they're going to stand before God and give an account for their actions. And the platforms that they stand behind and the ideas that they push and, and, and the, the goals that they're trying to push through in government, hey, they're going to stand before God for that. And it's not going to pretty, be a pretty sight for them. And so the Bible would tell us back in Proverbs 24 and verse number 19, it says, Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. Of course, that would give reference to his uh, passing away. And uh, the Bible says in Proverbs thirteen nine, the light of the righteous rejoiceth, but the lamp of the wicked shall be put out. And so it's talking about uh, his life being snuffed out and he will be dead. And so we have the fretting and we should not fret, we should not worry about evil men being in, in charge or in command. Look with me at verses 21 and 22. And we'll look at fear. The Bible says this. This is exactly why I said these verses are so appropriate. Look at what it says. Verse 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the King, and meddle not with them that are given to change, for their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? The first part of that verse is pretty clear and easy to understand. My son, of course, we see that idea of, of, 
uh, Solomon writing as to a son, and of course we could take it as the relationship that we have with God, that we are saved people and born again. And he says that we ought to fear the Lord. We understand that. We've talked about that many times throughout the book of, of Proverbs. And, and Proverbs 9.10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And, and so we know that the fear, which would be the respect and awe for God, is something that as a Christian we ought to do. What I don't like is the second part. What we don't like, perhaps. And look at what it says in verse 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the King. We are certainly without a doubt to fear the Lord. There's no doubt about it in the Word of God. But then the Bible goes on and includes, and it's written clearly in the New Testament as well, that we are to uh, have a respect for the leader of our country. We don't have a king. We have a president, uh, whatever that leader would be. Now listen, the Bible is very clear. Wicked men will meet their end. We are not to rejoice in the punishment that they will face. We are not to rejoice in, in the end that we will face or that they will, they will stand before God. We're not to rejoice in those things. Uh, and at the same time, we are to be respectful of that. And as we look at that, the fact that the Bible says, My son, fear thou the Lord and the King. I find it interesting, and I, I wrote this down. Wicked leaders do not mean the end of the society. Wicked leaders do not mean the end of a society. Because a lot of people think, well, you know, then, uh, then America's all done. And I'm not here to say whether America's all done or America's not all done. I'm just telling you this. Wicked leaders do not mean the end of that society. You look at how many times in the Bible uh, that people served under, under wicked men. Look at Daniel. Daniel served way high up under wicked, godless leaders. One was a very arrogant man who said, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I look at all that I have done, and God smote him with insanity, and he lived out in the fields, and the Bible says that he ate grass. I forget how, many, how long it was, but it was not just for a week. It was for like a year or more. It was quite a long time that guy lived out there. And we find, you know what? But the society didn't die. The, the kingdom didn't crumble. Uh, it didn't fall apart. It didn't cease to, be, to exist. Uh, the fact of the matter is, wicked people have been in rule around the world in the majority of the places for a long time. And we as Christians need to understand, hey, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the end. It doesn't necessarily mean that God can't bless the Christian who is living right underneath that wicked society. You understand what I'm saying? And the Bible would tell us here in this verse that we are to, uh, the, 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 my son, fear thou the Lord and the king. We need to understand that. And Joseph, you think about Joseph, he served under a pagan, uh, the Egyptian ruler, and, and certainly a, a godless society in Egypt. They stood for, uh, they've always stood for the world, and they've always a, a, a semblance of the world, yet Joseph prospered underneath that wicked ruler uh, because God had exalted him. You think about Paul. How many places did Paul minister and work uh, that the rulers were against Christianity? And even the Jews in the, in the time of Herod and thereafter, listen, there's been time and time again that, that wicked rulers have been in high places and listen, just because there's a wicked ruler doesn't mean that God can't prosper the Christian. 
Doesn't mean that God can't bless the Christian. Doesn't mean that we as Christians, we have to roll over and give up and say, you know what, I'm just going to go, I guess uh, the whole world has fallen apart and I'm going to go live with the world. No, we ought not have that attitude. Because there's example after example after example in the Scripture of people who have done right, they've stood for what is right, they've lived right underneath wicked rulers and wicked kings with whom God has punished those rulers, but the Christians continue to go forward. We need to understand that, listen, even though we might not like and we, might, we certainly would not agree with uh, the things that are being promoted in our government, the Bible is very clear in this verse. For there shall be, or verse 21, My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. Look at the second part. He says, And meddle not with them that are given to change. And I found that interesting, that verse and that phrase. And I want you to understand it says, Meddle not with them that are given to change. Now, the idea of given to change is broad sweeping change. It's not uh, you change your clothes every day. At least I hope you do. That's a good change. You need to change regularly. Um, but, but there's a difference between regular uh, things like that and then broad sweeping change that is introducing a whole different idea and a whole different philosophy. Listen, that's, that's true both in, in, in all of life as well as spiritual. Uh, the Bible goes on in the New Testament. How many times does he warn uh, about people who are uh, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine in the sleigh of men? And we're to be careful of those kind of things. We're talking about broad sweeping change. And listen, the Bible would give us a clear warning. He says, meddle not with them that are given to change. Verse 22, why? For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? And so we find that, uh, that we need to be careful about those who are given to great amounts of change, and those who are wanting to change everything. And listen, that's so true even in Christianity and in spiritual realm. We need to be careful of that. And so the Bible would give us warning of that. We find uh, that we are to fear the Lord. We are to respect the ruler, and we are to fear change and, 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 and uh, broad-sweeping change that would take place. So we find those three things, falling, fretting, and fear. Not the fear that you thought probably when I said it the first time, but the fear of the Lord, the respect of God, and understanding that, hey, God is in control of everything. And listen, just because, you know, we do not, we, the, God does not agree with, with what is being published and pushed in our White House. But it doesn't mean that, God can't prosper Christians. And that it's the end of the world as we know it. Now, God could come back tomorrow. There's no doubt about it. Hey, praise the Lord. All the better. We'll be out of here. We don't have to worry about it. It's all done. But that's what I'm saying. Our heaven is our home. This world's not my home. This is not my permanent resident. Oh, I'll do the best I can while I'm here. I'm not saying I, you know, just let everything go to waste here. But, but, reality is we're looking forward to a better place in heaven with God for all eternity. So I hope and pray that that just helps you kind of keep everything in perspective. Fret not, 
Fear the Lord and understand that, hey, God's watching over us. Even if wicked try and cause us snares and cause us problems, it would be nothing new because in the Bible it's happened time and time again. And God's watching out for us. God knows where we're at. So I hope and pray that that's a help and a blessing to you. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that you're in control. And God, certainly we have adversaries, we have enemies. And God, it may seem like they have caught us. But we know that you know exactly where we're at. And you've not forgotten us. God, we know that fretting is a waste of our time and energy. And God, we know that prayer will change things. God, so we're asking, help us not to fret and be worried for the evil and wickedness that is all around us. And then God, help us to fear you first and foremost, as is written in your word. But then even have a respect for leadership roles, though we are not in agreement with them. God, help us to pray for our country and our nation. Pray for our church. Pray for our leaders. Pray that God, that you could make a difference, God, in the hearts of those around us. Help us to be a light and a witness to the lost and dying world. And Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we just have a short hymn of invitation.